you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community. Because it's good to be well-endowed. On this episode, we learn about a new collective to serve low-resource seniors. That's right. Sage Seniors Association, Drive Happiness, Multicultural Health Brokers, and GEF Seniors Housing have all banded together to help seniors navigate Edmonton's various resources and programs to better meet their needs. It can be challenging enough to find support for one need, like housing or food, but imagine also having to sort out transportation, finance, healthcare needs, social opportunities, and other aspects of daily life that seniors struggle to access. Having to navigate all that simultaneously is a tall order. So having a collective to help them along the way can make a huge difference. Especially when you have a person dedicated to help with all that navigating. With a grant from ECF, Sage Seniors Association was able to hire a community navigator to improve the navigation processes to reduce barriers for low-resource seniors. I sat down with Beth Mansell. My name is Beth Mansell, and I am the Strategic Initiatives Manager at Sage. I've been with Sage now for four years and have recently taken on the project manager role for the Low Resource Seniors Collective. And Muno Osman. My name is Muno Osman. I am part of the social work team at SAGE. I have worked in different social work roles in the last four and a half years at SAGE, and I am currently the community navigator for the Low Resource Seniors Collective. To learn more. So my first question to both of you is, what is the Low Resource Seniors Serving Collective? What, what does it do? So the Low Resource Seniors Collective is a partnership between four organizations. So Sage Seniors Association, Drive Happiness, the Multicultural Health Brokers, and then GEF Seniors Housing. And those four partners have come together because we've realized that we're really serving the same population. And that population is low resource seniors. And when we talk about low resource seniors, we're really talking about um, those older adults that are experiencing marginalization or are hard to reach. So that could be for a variety of reasons. So seniors that are living in poverty, they're lacking access to family or friendship networks and social support could also be those that are living with physical or mental disabilities, um, ethnocultural seniors with cultural and linguistic barriers, and uh, also seniors that are providing caregiving. So that's how we've kind of defined the collective. And we've been working together now for I guess, about eight months formally. But before that, um, we've always worked very closely with those four other organizations. So with the four organizations, um, how many seniors are you seeing? The goal is that through this collective itself, we will serve at least 400 seniors in the year that this collective is ongoing. Right now, we are a little bit slow to start. Beth can get more into that. But um, throughout the year, Sage and uh, all of the partners that we're working with serve upwards of, I, I'm thinking thousands. I think GF has over 3,500 seniors in their buildings. Beth, do you have the number for how many seniors we serve in general? 
Yeah. So I think at, at Sage, where I, I think the goal of this collective is to really integrate our services so that all of the seniors that are being served across those four organizations um, kind of fall into the work of the collective because most of those seniors, so Sage, we're at about 5,000 unique seniors per year. Um, Drive Happiness is probably around 2,000. As Muno said, obviously GEF has over 3,500 seniors um, in their buildings as well. So a, a large majority of those seniors do need the services that one of the four organizations provides. So by working together more collectively, uh, we can provide those wraparound supports in a more kind of efficient and effective way. And like I said, the goal is a minimum of 400 seniors, but any of those seniors in either GF housing or working with drive happiness or data access and services through the multicultural health brokers would be that are also low resourced will be eligible for the collective partnership work through this collective. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, I can see a lot of overlapping here. Do you have like an intake process or is it just, if you're in one of these programs, you're automatically eligible for, for everything. And um, how does that, how does that work for the senior? Do they just call somebody and they get access or is it just something ongoing? So in general, um, like Beth said, all these four organizations have worked closely together. We've done referrals, interagency referrals, warm referrals. Um, but for this collective, we are working towards the idea of every door being the right door. So they can come through Drive Happiness just asking about transportation. And once they get to know the senior and find out that they need help applying for maybe financial programs or that maybe they need support with English language uh, classes, then they would refer to members within the collective or if their housing is not suitable or not affordable, then they refer to GEF. So uh, truly the goal here and, and our intake process is a senior, a low resource senior can come to any of the four agencies and they will get uh, the services of all four agencies through the collective. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, and so sometimes it's the hardest thing is to know where to go and being able to identify what that senior might need when they may not even realize they need it to be able to offer that help is is really fantastic. So what are some of the biggest needs that you're seeing? Transportation is has always been a major thing, but through COVID, it's really um, become really complex for seniors to access transportation safely through the city. So that's a major thing. Finances is always a, a main thing. So any of the low resource seniors that we serve, whether it's due to disability or due to the fact that they are new to the country, there's always economic marginalization. So there's often uh, difficulty to pay rent or a struggle with food or having to choose between food and groceries. And um, what we were just talking uh, at another meeting about this today, we are noticing that seniors are truly struggling to afford food prices uh, with their rising food prices and are having to, like I said, choose between getting their medication and getting their food. Housing is always a major gap. So it's honestly very hard to pick one or two of those things, but those are the major ones uh, between housing, finances, transportation, and in general, like basic daily needs. That's a struggle for most of the seniors that we work with. What about things like emotional support? Do they contact you for just being being there or, you know, connecting with other people? And especially during COVID, is it, has this been an issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, so through COVID, we've obviously, like many other senior serving organizations, established a friendly phone call program. The need for that is going to be something that continues after the pandemic 
ends and we kind of return to some sense of normal. Uh, so I think the benefit of working collectively like this is that as a collective, we can recognize these types of needs, pull resources together, advocate for additional resources to be invested to really serve the seniors that have have those types of needs. So the a friendly phone call program is a great example of that because it's not something that necessarily has any sustainable funding, but there could be thousands of seniors amongst those four organizations that need access to a service like that. And so where can we um, where can we work collectively to really find appropriate resources to support that program? And I, I'm assuming that's a volunteer, largely volunteer program. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so is that a, is that a need for your organization or for the collective is for volunteers? I will make a plug for more volunteers. I think organizations, especially like Drive Happiness as well, um, the more volunteers they have, the more seniors they're able to serve. Uh, same thing at Sage through some of our programs. So again, working collectively and being able to kind of pull resources around volunteer management, volunteer recruitment, things like that, I think will make all four of our organizations more sustainable into the future as well. Um, I just want to add that we definitely always need and use volunteers, specifically throughout our programs at SAGE. And at SAGE, volunteering is a program specifically for seniors, so we, we need and use all volunteers, but we specifically We'll have to have seniors from the community volunteer within um, our programs or reach out to other seniors because they uh, truly enjoy and continue to give back to our community and the so- seni- other seniors that we have connected them in a specific way. So, yes, from all volunteers always. Have you have you had more volunteers during COVID that are, are willing to do things remotely? Like... I, I imagine people are bored <laughs> staying home and not being able to get out. Is this something that's been a need that's been filled or is this still something that's lacking? I think it, it's a balance because at Sage, um, before the pandemic, the majority of our volunteers were seniors themselves. And so working remotely is, for some of those volunteers has been a barrier. But then we've also seen an uptake in younger volunteers that have volunteered for things like the friendly phone call program and things like that. So yeah, like any other kind of nonprofit organization right now, I think we're looking towards what those needs are going to be in the future as well and how we do kind of return to that in-person services and what that might look like. Um, do you have any stories that maybe you could share with us about how the program works for an individual and makes it better for them? I can I can share a story, a specific story that involves a collaboration between SAGE, uh, Forecasting on Case Management, the multicultural health broadcasts are supporting with the cultural needs and drive happiness. So we um, became aware of a specific of, of a senior, and this is before the collective, but this is a story illustrates the kind of work that the collective will be doing. So we became aware of a senior that has been a victim of financial abuse. Uh, this victim was uh, newer to Canada just a few years here, did not speak English, had someone uh, pretend to be supporting them, take them to the bank, take their money. This senior was referred through the Multicultural Health Broadcast Co-op um, who has a staff member who speaks the senior's language. So the co-op stepped in to provide that cultural connection to the senior and needed sage support to navigate through systems of uh, the bank, the financial institution through Alberta supports, uh, through elder abuse, which is something that sage has been working on for a long time. Together, the two of us manage community navigator from SAGE and the broker from the co-op managed to get the senior up to speed on 
getting their rent up to where they needed to be, which they were behind on, and making sure that their bank cards are secured, going to their financial institutions and making them aware of what has happened and sort of putting um, in place things to make sure that this doesn't happen to this particular senior again. And throughout this process, with all the back and forth that was needed to be done, drive happiness was that uh, connection to provide the transportation because this is, again, a senior that has difficult accessing the bus, difficult accessing that um, is not able to go from point A to point B. And this is where all three of us working together uh, serve the purpose of truly and drastically improving the quality of life for that senior. And this is the type of work that we hope to continue to do um, to support the most vulnerable and the most low-resource seniors in our community. That is an excellent example. Um, and I imagine uh, that a lot of things have gotten more difficult with less bus routes. And you already alluded to the fact that the cost of, ha- of food is getting is higher now mm-hmm. because of transportation and, and mm-hmm. resourcing. Um, and COVID. So there's like a triple whammy there with, yeah, with seniors being isolated. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the biggest motivations for us coming together. Like, I think we recognize we're at this crucial point in time where the complexity of the needs of some of the seniors that the organizations are seeing are just so high. And um, that's coupled with the fact that donations are down across the sector, grants are um, harder to come by. And so we really need to come together to work to work more effectively um, to really serve those seniors that are the most vulnerable and the most marginalized. And so hopefully going forward into the future, we'll have some more kind of equitable outcomes and equitable approaches for those uh, marginalized seniors. Yeah, I don't think that people realize on a day to day basis some of the challenges that that lower income people face. And on top of that, you're a senior, so you may have mobility issues. You probably don't have a smartphone. And some of these services require that you have, yeah, I mean, on-demand transit, you pretty much need a cell phone for that. So, um, sorry, you were going to say something, Mano? I just wanted to point out exactly uh, the point Beth made about being effective is if you could imagine the barriers that the everyday person experiences to, to navigate systems. And on top of that, being a senior, having maybe physical limitations and all of that. So if you could imagine the time and the effort that's saved when we are already connected, when we work as a collective and we, the senior doesn't have to go from one organization to calling the other organization to looking for who does that next service. So it not only um, supports the senior in the best way possible, but it makes our job that much easier. It makes us that much more effective and it truly saves uh, overall, like saves time so that we have this space to support more seniors. Yeah, that's fantastic. It, it directly lines up with um, our recent Vital Signs report, actually, which talks about um, you know the intersectionality of low-income individuals and and some of the the piled-on difficulties of navigating our everyday systems. And you throw in a senior all on top of that, and it's just one more barrier to living your life. Um, a couple of times when you've mentioned quite a few of the programs that SAGE has, can you give us a quick overview of all the things that SAGE does? I know there's a, an exhaustive list, but just so people have an idea. Yeah, you're right. SAGE uh, has a very broad range of programs and services. And so I like to divide them into kind of three main buckets. So we have our social support services, which are things like uh, social work services, 
our safe house as well that um, helps older adults that are experiencing elder abuse. We have our This Full House program, which is a hoarding disorder program. And then we also do our kind of recreational bucket of services, which we call our life enrichment programs. And there's over a hundred different programs and services that are mostly led by volunteers. So it's everything from like line dancing classes to uh, bridge club, ukulele classes, everything like that. And the final bucket is kind of more of the health side of things. So um, we have, we, it's called our dragonfly program. And uh, that is a frailty assessment program that is looking at um, how to assess for frailty in community-based settings and what type of tailored interventions can uh, help to kind of build resilience in, in older adults to eventually reduce frailty. I don't, have I missed anything, Mono, that you can kind of think of in terms of programs and services? Um, not missed. I just want to highlight uh, our Aging to Saging program in the Northeast where we use a community development approach to engage seniors so that they're involved in the communities they live in. And that program uh, has, we support seniors that want to come together maybe and to prevent and deal with social isolation. We connect school-aged kids and youth to seniors. And I just wanted to mention that because that is um, one of my favorite things that we do at SAGE. I also just want to add that um, if a, if there's an individual 55 and above that needs help with anything truly, we talk to them and we assess them. And if it's something we don't help with, we always know who does in the community. So if it's a service that we don't offer or a program that we do not have, we know um, who does that. If at all it's available in the Edmonton area, then we will make the right connection. That's fantastic. And I so appreciate the, the breadth of services that you provide. I think you're filling a, a great need that's in our community. Is there anything you would like to add to what we talked about today? Um, I, I, th I think another really key goal of this collective is to be able to actually measure the impact that these four organizations are having on low-income seniors in our community. And uh, without the investment from the Community Foundation, also some of this project's being funded through the Stollery Charitable Foundation as well, without being able to build those kind of frameworks to actually do proper evaluation and to do capacity building within our four organizations, we wouldn't be able to effectively measure that impact. And so um, that's something that this group is really excited about as well. And um, hopefully in, in the next year or so, we'll actually have some really concrete um, outcomes for that. And I also just wanted to say we are really excited and looking forward to working in more formalized uh, partnership with these three other organizations. And we truly hope that this becomes the norm in community-based senior services where organizations are coming together to tackle um, issues that seniors face, therefore making us that much more effective and able to serve more people and support more seniors. Yeah, really leveraging the expertise of each organization. SAGE does mm -hmm. not want to go out and create a transportation organization. And uh, yeah, same thing with GEF and Drive Happiness doesn't want to start hiring social workers. Like we need to be able to leverage the expertise mm -hmm. that exists within each of our organizations to really effectively deliver services for this population. It's truly an Edmonton grown solution. It's really well done. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. This was 
way more than I expected it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more of an intake program. And this is this is fa- fabulous. And I think it's it's a definite need that's in the community. Thank you. That's great. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Elizabeth. A warm thanks to Beth Mansell and Muno Osman for joining us. Muno is the Community Navigator slash Low Resource Seniors Collective Specialist at SAGE, and Beth is their Strategic Initiatives Manager. We'll have links to each of those organizations that are part of the Seniors Collective in our show notes. They include SAGE Seniors Association, Drive Happiness, Multicultural Health Brokers, and GEF Seniors Housing. And don't forget to check out our upcoming granting deadlines to see if you could be eligible for funding. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the show please share it with everyone you know. And if you have time, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find our show. You can also find us on Facebook where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonking and Andrew Paul. Until Until next time. time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.